Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Paula Tejas. She is the marketing and sales lead at Betterway Devs. They are based in Colombia and focus specifically on IT and developers and all of those complex technical roles. Obviously, they focus very much on nearshoring to the US and they source, they're based in Colombia, so they source most of their staff from Colombia, Peru, and also from Brazil. So it's obviously a really popular uh, destination at the moment for outsourcing. And of course, developers could never be more popular. They always just seem to be increasing in demand. So it's a really great conversation with Polar. We explore everything about nearshoring and Colombia and managing and sourcing developers and getting the best out of your dev team. It's a really great conversation. As always, if you're on any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over three thousand outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over five million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. So, Paula, you are sitting in Colombia, and it's a very popular spot at the moment. A lot of people in the outsourcing industry are all talking about Colombia, and uh, many people are interested in setting up offices there. It, it seems to be the place to be. So, love to share your experiences with that, and of course, with Betterway Devs. I suppose maybe to start, would you be able to just introduce Betterway Devs? Yes, sure. Betterway Devs is an IT staffing company. Uh, we are uh, like a specialized in South American talent. We discover the these the advantages of the pool talent that we have in South America, and we are helping, especially North American companies, to uh, find and hire the right developers from these destinations, from these countries, and Colombia, of course. Fantastic. And it's so it's all IT dev workers, that sort of stuff, and it is remote 
only, is that right? Yes, yes. We're providing software developers. They're working remote and we're supporting our customers also in this management uh, of their remote teams as a local partner. And of course, there's huge demand for developers and engineers and things like that in the US. And of course, Columbia shares similar time zones. It's referred to as nearshoring, so you don't have to work crazy night shifts and things like that. So there's obviously a huge demand for that market. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's, it's a huge demand, but we also have uh, a lot of competition from, from the whole world and, and also in Colombia. Different vendors and the outsourcing industry has been developing a lot. Um, and there are different models in the industry also um, like um, tackling the same problem that is uh, to help with these talent uh, issues. It is true, isn't it? You know, like kind of 15 years ago, it was quite unique, but now it is quite common and it's really becoming somewhat commoditized, isn't it? But then I suppose the details are in the nuance of how you deliver and the staff that you can get and the service that you can provide. But it certainly is becoming quite a, not a crowded market, but certainly quite a, a common service provision, yeah? Yes, yes, it's, it's popular nowadays. One of the reasons is that it's not, it's not a solution just for large companies and multinationals, but any uh, any type of company or companies of any size can afford these type of services. Uh, and you mentioned something very important, is that there are there is a lot of opportunities of improvement and, and also innovative models that really tackle what are the, the main pains, the pain points in the industry to improve the service and also to make it more sustainable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So tell us about uh, developers then. Uh, it's I Obviously, we're a tech company, so we have a lot of developers, but I'm, I'm not in the industry myself. I'm semi-technical. And for people that are outside of the sort of developer fold, it, it can be a little bit daunting. But how do you see the whole market? There's obviously tremendous demand for developers, and that's only been you know, amplified since COVID and there's just massive staff shortages. And now we have the whole demand for AI and things like that. Where do you see the the market and the opportunity for developers? Yes, of course, we are in a period of digital transformation before the demand from, was from software development companies. Now the demand is from companies from all the industry that are really like transforming their processes to digital channels and adopting new tools and technologies. So the market is growing and is, and it's also an issue behind that. And is that it's going too fast and the speed in which like the talent is being trained is not, is not the same, you know? So that's why we're having uh, some issues sometimes with, with the offer or, or it's not so easy to find these type of profiles. And that's why a business or like Better Way Debs and other agencies that are looking, trying to expand the talent pool to mm. other countries are, are flourishing. And there is a, a serious problem behind and is that uh, all countries, they're really struggling to, to train, to graduate more uh, IT professionals, but it's difficult and the, the industry is moving too fast and not at the same pace. Yeah. And 
what is the supply like around you then? I understand you source from a lot of countries, Colombia and Peru being your primary countries, but also then from the region, Ecuador, Brazil. How do you find the supply there? Because ultimately, there's shortage everywhere, isn't there? And there's huge demand. So is it just the same problem in those countries as well? Yes, it is. But but luckily, the the countries in this this region, they had been very aware of the trends. and, And they started a few years ago to develop these programs to train people, for instance, in South America, the country is committed to produce up to 84,000 tech graduates a year. So they're trying to expand the talent pool. So what is behind is that uh, the the most demanded profiles are not the junior and recently trained professionals, you know. The, the demand, the, the main Demand is for these very specialized profiles that have experience, that have been also in contact with these uh, challenges sometimes when also in North American companies and have the level of skills to really help companies to, to grow. So there is like some components in the middle that are missing, you know. So what I try to say is that countries in the region are training people but it takes a time and it takes experience for these people to come to the point that they can enter to this market, especially to the English-speaking market that is different. Yeah, they say, you know, more specifically with developers, they say one good developer is worth 10 sort of junior developers, or I suppose more accurately, one one amazing developer is worth 10 or 100 sort of average developers. Um and that's a problem, isn't it, when, you know, of course, we all want to hire the best of the best, but there's only such a finite amount of those people. And so is it, do you feel that, you know, you can still build teams with average people or do you, you know, is it sort of the elusive hunt for those unicorn developers? Yes, of course, there is a, a dramatic competition for these unicorns, as you mentioned, but but I think all the companies and, and also outsourcing and BPO companies they really need to shift the vision that they have of the industry and try to have the complete vision of how the, the talent pipeline is moving. In our case, for for instance, we are really like investing in training these new professionals so they are not incorporated directly to to work with us but at least we are helping the local companies and we're creating some opportunities from the IT industry so it's a possibility to change this if all the companies commit to invest resources in training juniors because all these unicorns they started at some point you know what they need mm. is good mentors. They need meaningful experiences, and, and it's important for all of us for all of us to to be willing to train these talent. You know, to get these unicorns in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And what is the employment market like? Can you give us a sort of quick overview of Colombia? Maybe is there, you know, 
are all the good people taken or is there a higher level of unemployment and people sort of really eager to work? And what are the typical sort of indicative salary ranges for these sorts of people? Yes, the, the market, uh, the, the employment market in, in Colombia is, has to be analyzed, you know, in different contexts. Uh, if we analyze like the general context for any type of profession, uh, we have high rates of unemployment. For instance, the city where we are located, we're working with young people because it's one of the cities with the highest employment rates in Colombia. So young people is really looking into imp- opportunities, you know, to strive and to do something with, with their lives. But the software developers and IT positions are demanded uh, for non-speak, no, non-English speakers. No, I mean, just for Spanish speakers, normal Colombian professionals, and also uh, for the bilinguals that are very demanded. Uh, in terms of bilingual developers, uh, the countries, uh, the, the, the salaries in Colombia are similar that in the region. And they can go up to 72,000 a year, but it depends on the level of expertise. So you can find mid-level software developers from 26,000 and seniors from 42,000 to 72,000. But it depends on the technology, on what you're looking for, because sometimes there are some of these unicorns, you know, that can be a little uh, above of these uh, salaries. Right. And so you mentioned those salaries. Is that US dollars? Yeah. So 26,000 yes. US dollars up to 72,000 US dollars. Yes. Yes. When you're speaking of non bilingual, non speaking uh, professionals, it's very different and you can find uh, more affordable uh, salaries. So one of the things that we always recommend to, to customers um, and to people that, that we meet is that uh, they need to be open with the uh, language expectations that they have, with the level of English that they, they expect from their workers. Because some companies, they're really expecting to have this perfect English pronunciation. They want people mm-hmm. to be really good. And, and those are the profiles that are more expensive, but you can find other profiles with good communication, basic skills in, in English, and uh, that you can, uh, that can be enough, you know, to keep like a chat and video uh, call sometimes, and, and they, are, they can be more affordable. So, so that's. Got it. And so just to, I don't really know this, but to clarify then, you can get a good coder that only speaks Spanish, but are they coding in the same code, which is sort of the unified language, which is predominantly English? Like, are they just not able to then jump on a call and then talk about it? Yes, yes, that's a good point. You know, they're coding in English. So any uh, developer have has a, a basic English proficiency, you know, they are able to write at least in English. So, so that's what I mean that... Uh, when companies, they set an expectation that is too high, they, they also should expect higher salaries. Right. And then what about the documentation? Because a big part of coding is sort of the documentation and things like that. And, and I heard that the first iteration of the Uber app 
was written in Argentina or something. And, you know, once it got a lot of funding, they saw and realized that a lot of it, a lot of the notes were written in Spanish. Is that, you know, how does documentation work? Yes, it's the same. We our experience is that of of the developers that we that are being hired through better way apps, they have a good level of English and they're able to manage this the documentation in English. But we had been managing other other structure of teams where you can have a team of developers with mid level uh, of English. They are not speaking so fluently, but they can read and they, maybe they have a, a CTO or they have project manager that has a, a better a proficiency and they can communicate and, and deal with other issues, you know, at more, at a more higher level. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, and, and it does work better in teams, doesn't it? You know, generally in outsourcing, you know, if you, if you do have a bit of a hierarchy and then you have the sort of maker checker and things like that. Um, interesting. Yes, and yes. then in terms yes, of the client like side. Com- sorry, you can find oh, sorry, it no, like a go. convenient arrangement when you have a team reducing the cost and some of the, the profiles and then uh, compensating with other skills. Yeah. And in terms of the salary for the $72,000 role, do you have estimates of what they would be paid in the US? Like, is that a sort of two, three, four hundred thousand $400,000 role in the US? Yes, of course. Of course. And that's where companies in, the, in North America in general, they have an advantage when hiring in South America because these roles of 72 and up, uh, they they can be no more than ninety thousand, but these are engineers with more than ten years, and and they are they can be earning like uh, the double, you know, in in North America. So so they are still making a saving when hiring in South America. Yeah, I got it. And it you know it sounds like a lot of money on the face, but you actually save more money than you know, the, the higher the roles, you know, if you save 50% on a low level administrator, then you're only saving a few thousand dollars a year. Whereas if you're saving 50% on a senior developer, it's really, that's real money, isn't it? Yes. And that's the point with developers, because that's why they are reaching these high salaries, because what their input is really helping companies to do amazing things and to win thousands of dollars. So that's why they're willing to pay, you know, no matter how much they they are asking for, they need to find these type of professionals. With technology, it, it's always changing. The redundancy of knowledge is, is so fast. And now, of course, we have this big AI craze. Are you getting like a million inquiries for, you know, sort of uh, experienced, skilled AI developers? I mean, considering the whole thing is, is fairly new, it's really hard okay. to then staff up and be able to supply a lot of good AI experts, I imagine. Yes, yes, yes. It's funny. This year we, we started to receive these uh, job descriptions for AI engineers, you know. So, so of course, it's, it's one of the popular roles nowadays. And with your client side then, I imagine the ideal client is a Silicon Valley tech company that's got a lot of funding and they know how to uh, architect 
a product and they know how to work with dev teams. But maybe, you know, that isn't the majority of your clients. How do you work with clients that aren't technical and don't really appreciate how to run dev teams properly? Do you, can you sort of sometimes get into a tension or a friction with people that aren't properly managing dev teams or technical projects? Mm-hmm. Yes, you find all type of, of situations. Something interesting is that we work with companies in different industries. They Most of them have in common that they are tech-saving. They know how to manage their teams. Of course, there are always like a high-level management issues that uh, companies need to understand in order to improve the management of remote teams because it's, it's not easy, you know. This is a new dynamic nowadays to have these global teams with a time zone difference and also with different languages and cultural. So, so it's challenging, you know, and, but most of our customers, they are dealing very well with that. And we are also helping with the communication from our side and, and make being like a bridge in these cultural um, issues. So, so they can adapt to work with teams in, in South America. Uh, but going back to your question that maybe we find uh, we have customers that they are not uh, so familiar with dealing with technology. We, we have managed a few cases where they, they don't know how to build their teams and we have been uh, assessing them to discover what are like the right composition of these teams and also helping them to find and hire the right developers. So, mm. so we're open to work with companies from different industries and different sizes. Uh, in this last example, uh, it was uh, a startup just, um, just defining the vision of the product and they needed one developer to start this process. So we're also willing to help in these cases. Got it. Yeah. I mean, very commonly a request in outsourcing is for someone that can work in digital marketing and they want them to be able to write an article and do Google adverts, do some advert design and also manage paid ads. And, you know, it's kind of like those are quite different roles and you must get that in developing as well where, you know, the sort of the less aware say I just want two developers, but actually they need someone doing front end, they need someone doing the back end, they need someone mm-hmm. maybe, you know, product manager, they need someone to design it. And so how do you manage expectations when typically clients want those perfect all rounders, whereas it, it's actually a lot more compartmentalized than that? Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right. These are the, the so-called unicorns, you know, the wanting to do everything. Uh, but uh, luckily, most of our customers, they know well what they're looking for. So they come with a very specific job description and they have already also a testing process in place once we provide pre-qualified candidates. So, so it's not the case. But we have, as I mentioned before, a few cases where we needed to assess the company, the CEO, in defining and writing this job description to really find the profile that could address the needs 
that they they have, you know, in a realistic way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how does that work then in terms of with Better Way Devs? I assume it is purely staff staffing services. So you aren't a dev agency where you will take on someone's project. Is that right? You provide full-time dedicated staffing for the clients. Yes, yes, you're right. We come from a history of developing software for over 16 years, and we were providing these services, projects, and dedicated teams. And in 19, and in 2019, we launched this model that is just staffing, and we are also offering just recruiting services. Got it. Yeah. And how does it work then if, do you help the staff succeed in terms of, you know, project management or, you know, sort of delivery of the project, or is it really just providing the staffing and then it's up to the client to ensure the day-to-day activities? How do you draw that line in terms of assisting a client yet leaving it to the client to actually get those deliverables? That's a good question. We're not providing project management, but we have uh, account managers to help with the communication and with the relationship with the employees. So uh, our customers, they are dealing, they're working uh, with the day-to-day issues, you know, and there is something that they need help with, so we can help. And what we are doing is supporting the developers locally, being like helping them if they have like a health issues, checking, for instance, the occupational health standards because they're working remotely. So we are making sure that they have good working stations and they are doing things, you know, to, to avoid this occupational risk. Uh, so that's the, the level of support. We are also like celebrating a special dates with them, sending baskets, these type of things, just to make feel the employees that they're not alone, that they are part of a team. And we're using the brand of our customers because we believe they are not our employees, but their employees. Yeah, it's that I refer to it as co-parenting and it it really is a it's a delicate balance isn't it because it's you know you want the client to manage the deliverables but yet you are the the employer ultimately and how does remote work for you have you always been a remote operation or did things change during covid yes they changed we have an on-site operation until until last year in fact but we started working remotely in pandemics. And, and despite of having this building with all the with all that we needed. And so so people was preferring to to work remotely, you know. And so the office was not very useful and then we closed it. We are now working hundred percent remote. And how do you find that? Again, I think developers is quite a unique industry where they can perform very well remote and even asynchronously. Yeah. And so do you find that it's ideal, it's perfect, or do you still sort of long for the office environment sometimes? I think it's interesting. It it provides to the employees, to the developers with other 
possibilities, but it's important to keep the balance, you know, especially with developers because they have, most of the times they have a high level of responsibility and it's easy for anyone, you know, to work more hours and to make it like unhealthy and to become something that we don't want to have. So what we also do is to help them, you know, managing this balance with the work and like making sure they, they're making these active poses, that they're working the, the time that they're supposed to work. So, so we're supporting on one side and what you mentioned, like a co-parenting, but of course, management is on the side of the customers. Mm-hmm. And do you... Do you get, you know, I don't want to talk about the dark side too much, but do, do you get many clients thinking, you know, if it all goes well, then there's very little contact with Betterway sometimes. And do you get clients thinking, well, you know, Betterway is great. Thanks for the introduction, but, you know, I can just take it from here. How do you manage those relationships? I think that is sort of heightened when there is no office and people are just working remote and the communication is just direct with the employee how do you sort of manage those environments so okay. that it, it builds a good win relationship for everyone? Yes, that's the point, you know, uh, to create these long-term engagements with companies and with our customers and also with developers. You need to manage things very well and to provide value. So most of our customers, they stay with us uh, because they find value and in, in what we're doing in the support that we're providing in simplifying the payment in providing uh, a very good package of benefits to employees so they want to work with us nevertheless uh, if they want to continue by themselves if they want to do the the hiring as contractors or with any way they want to do it we also have an alternative we offer this like uh, exit Peace. You know, they want to continue on. And the idea is to close the relationship in the best way. We don't have uh, many cases of using this exit uh, rate, but it's one uh, popular question, you know, with people when we meet people. So we have this, uh, we have this available. So want to continue uh, the relationship by themselves. Yeah, it's about sort of thinking long term with it, really, isn't it? What do you do if the the client is so happy with you? Do you do designers? Do you do accountants? Is is there sometimes a job creep that the clients are so happy yet you are limited to one particular vertical? But I'm not really feel like uh, identified with that point, really, Derek. Right. Yes, right. we yes, we're not in that case. Well done, well done. And so when you talk to new clients, like what are you often saying? Um, where do you see the resistance from them? Because I'm amazed that now not everyone is offshore. To me, it is just so obvious. And you've been working in the offshoring industry for a few years now. Um, it's just such an obvious win, isn't it? But where are you still seeing the resistance within the market? Well, the resistance, well, my case and meeting people all the time. And I think the difference when I see resistance is when 
people or companies they are not completely sure or they don't have an urgent hiring need. Maybe they have another supplier or or they have another way to solve, you know, the the problem. But when you really need uh, a specific profile, um, I think there are no resistance, especially because in our model, we offer on-demand recruiting and it's at no cost. So what we offer to customers is if you're looking for something specific, let us run this on-demand recruiting process and, and we can share suitable candidates within two weeks and up to this point, you don't have to pay. There is no compromise. So if they find something that they like, so we start discussing, you know, and that's the point. I think that's like uh, something that makes our service attractive. That's the first like uh, a value that we offer, you know, we can help you find what you're looking for at no cost. Just mm. give a try. That's really good, isn't it? Because it's at the point of need. And as people are recruiting anyway, and Certainly, it saves huge fees if people are going to go out and use professional recruiters. Uh, they can see what what you know you can find out in the market. It's it's really powerful, isn't it? Yes, yes, it's true. And and, and in our model, that is very special. That's why we were called Barraway Devs. We're trying to do things better. We know that the, in the industry, we are we have some agencies with higher fees and. And sometimes it's difficult with so many intermediaries to, to maximize the salaries and to really give the, what the employees deserve, you know, because it's someone in the middle taking most of the money. So we have low fees. We have our rates can be as low as 12% of the monthly salary if you paid up front. And we also have different alternatives and, and it depends on the moment that you're paying, you know, if you paid up front. So you have a lower rate. If you pay during the month, you have a reasonable fee of 16%. And if we finance the payroll, so you paid after uh, the payroll, so you have uh, a more standard uh, rate of 30%. Got it. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, because it's that's great. It's great. I love to see those economic levers where it just makes sense and people can then choose <laughs> choose their option and of course it works you know most of our customers they are in the first two brackets so it's really attractive because most of the companies they're charging 30 percent and and even above that so so the point is saving well done and so the future i mean is it a it's a bright future how do you see all of this ai thing happening i mean there's such a demand for developers you can't really see that it's going to drop off anytime soon but you know there's talk that these ais can develop co-pilots and help people code do you think that's really just going to help your industry do you think it's going to cause any um you know weakness in terms of demand or requirements no no i don't think it's going to change demand what is going what is happening is that developers they are having superpowers so they are more productive and they're able to develop greater things, you know. And so I believe the industry is going to have to continue growing. So it's very important to continue training people, you know, in countries like Colombia and private initiatives like us also to support uh, this process of training and discovering talent and, and helping with this tech talent gap, you know, because otherwise it won't be sustainable in the future and, and it, it won't be any business. 
And in terms of those roles, there must be, you know, we spoke about it earlier, but there must be such a demand now for AI engineers, prompt engineers, and people that integrate the AI systems into their existing tool sets. Uh, do you get a lot of demand for that? And, and are those people out there? And what sort of premium are they asking at the moment? Are they sort of another 50% more expensive again? Or what, what are you seeing in terms of those roles? Those roles are not so easy to find, but luckily in the academies, they are training, you know, they are launching these specialized programs. So, so there are a lot of professionals also training themselves in AI. And, and in the salaries, I think they can be like in the higher ranges, but they are not above of other, other seniors. So, so they can be around like. Hundred, I think the maximum hundred ten and hundred and twenty here in South America. Got it, got it. There must be a fantastic salary in Colombia, huh? <laughs> yes, it is. But you know, is we have been experiencing not just in Colombia but in all the South American, Latin American countries, this bubble with the salaries. You know, because developers and and this type of professionals they get used to this ranges and mm -hmm. and now when uh, the dollar or the the peso maybe gets stronger and and the the exchange rate change you know when they start getting a little bit less so so they believe that, that they can uh, continue asking for raises so it's important also to establish these limits you know because otherwise it's going to be crazy with the salaries, uh, and you're right, a salary of hundred or 10,000 a month in Colombia is a lot of money. Something that we do, we, we have a, a very special model where we offer um, our, our salaries are calculated in dollars. They receive the, the salaries in dollars and they have all the benefits of the exchange rate. We provide them with this uh, account and help and, and all the financial support to know how to manage the tax liability, you know, when you are receiving your salary and this and salaries so high like this, you know, in, in, in dollars in Colombia. Yeah, I got it. It's it's huge money, isn't it? And and that's the beauty of global employment because it gives opportunities to people based on their capabilities, not just where they were born or where they happen to be sitting, you know, it's it's a fantastic opportunity. And Paula, do people, you know, you know about this because you're in the industry, I know about it because I'm in the industry, but the average Colombian, do they realize that there are, you know, people working online for American firms and sort of hacking the system? Does the average sort of Colombian realize that you know, they, they can join the online economy and potentially earn U.S. salaries. Mm -hmm. No, no, unfortunately not. Not everyone, not everyone knows that reality. And, and we are doing what I was, I mentioned before that we have an initiative. That initiative is called Cognitus. It's a foundation that we run with other companies. And, and something that we try to do is to, to motivate new generations, you know, to show the opportunities that you have in the industry because it's an industry that has, you know, salaries that any other industry can offer. So it's, it's a, a very interesting opportunity for inclusion because this opportunity can reach 
anyone, no matter, you know, uh, if you are a, a young person from an underserved community, no matter if you, you haven't had other opportunities, you can learn programming and access this world of opportunities. So we're doing that. We're going to high schools to, to pitch, you know, the, the powers of talent to transform lives and motivate new generations into technology. It's amazing, isn't it? Just such an exciting opportunity for Colombia, for, for the youth of Colombia, for, for the world generally, just to be able to sort of tap into a global economy. It's, it's so exciting. Paula, thank yes. you so much. If you know, I encourage people to reach out, to have a conversation and to see how offshoring can transform their business, if anyone wants to learn more or connect with you, how can they do that? Yes, they can visit our webpage, www.betterway.dev, or they can also write an email to me, it's P Pages, <laughs> betterway.dev. That was Paula Tejas of Betterway Devs. As always, if you're on any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to send us an email, just email us at ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.